am Judy Carter, and this is the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love. And that making a living part, I always felt that I had to be something different from who I am in order to make a living, mm. right? Yeah. I mean, I felt that when I first started in the, well, <laughs> in the 70s, okay, mm-hmm. I was one of the first female comics out there. Mm-hmm. And I felt like um, I had to be dumb mm-hmm. in order for audiences to like me, especially men. So you had to put on the persona of being just another, oh, she's a dumb girl, and that makes it okay cute. for- Cute. Look how yeah. cute. Ah, okay. Cute I am. Because, you know, look, my role models at the time were Lucille Ball, and mm-hmm. I love Lucy, who was just, you know- Yeah. I mean, look at all the funny women on TV, the dingbat. Yeah, the adorable the train family, wreck. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, what was the name- uh, Grace uh, Gracie Allen mm-hmm. and she was and 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 all the reviews of these women and these women were really big stars mm-hmm. and they would go yeah and guess what she's really smart right oh as it was this big secret thing that they it were was hiding. a secret yeah. thing like look how brilliant they all are that they pretend to be dumb mm-hmm. but they're really s- smart mm-hmm. and when a woman gets up on stage and stand up, especially when audiences are not used to that back then, certainly one who's not taking her clothes off. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's true because I would have a gig, where was I, in Reno, and men would come in and going like, why are you still dressed? Yeah. <laughs> and why are you talking? Mm. So, so you have, you're holding a phallus in your hand, mm. right? With a, black cord so it's a very powerful position you're louder than everybody you're taller than everyone Mm -hmm. and so at the time I was doing a magic act and I felt I had to dumb myself down okay in order to make money and I realized something um because I'm in a little more of a vulnerable state today because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm I you know, a lot of my friends are getting sick and one of my dear friends Emily Levine just died and um she, Emily was incredibly smart mm-hmm. and she ended up doing these brilliant TED talks and she was invited to dinner parties with the rich and the famous just because she was so friggin' smart everybody loved to hear her she contrary thinking Mm -hmm. you know and when I started to do corporate gigs I still felt you know here I am talking about the power of authenticity Mm -hmm. and I'm not really being myself Mm. and lately I've been thinking about the big lie that we tell ourselves is that we have plenty of time and the lie is that we are going to die and life is finite. Yes. Yeah, which we've talked about. You know, not only is it going to end, but also you have no idea when it's going to end. Right. Yeah. So 
my purpose in life has always been I've never been one I've never really had a job mm -hmm. so my purpose in life was always creating my own career creating yeah. my own reality because mm -hmm. there wasn't really one there for me mm -hmm. right I mean now I see comics being bold and daring and like Hannah Gatsby who was one of my students so when I saw Hannah Gatsby in her network you know, comedy special. I've been profoundly affected by that. And mm -hmm. I want to get her on this podcast because she took comedy and self-deprecation because she's gay and she looks very um, uh, mannish, I would say. Mm -hmm. And she was bullied for who she was. And so she went around it in a way that all we female comics do is self-deprecation. Mm -hmm. Now look at me, I'm so ugly, oh look how I look. And, and we put ourselves down. But then she did something really bold and she said, I've had enough of self-deprecation. And what about hitting the nail on the head? It's not a joke and it's not funny to be bullied. Mm -hmm. You know, um, homophobia is not a joke. It's painful mm -hmm. and people even get killed for it. Yeah. And I just went, wow, in a comedy special, she gives up comedy to speak the truth. Mm. And, oh, you were expecting to be funny? Well, she gave her funny for the first 40 minutes. Yeah. And then she went to something else. Mm -hmm. And I went, when am I going to do that? Mm. When, how, you know, I do corporate events. Mm -hmm. And certainly in corporate events, there are limitations. I'm not talking about be myself and, you know, shoot out F words or yeah. whatever. That's not living on purpose. And then the other thing, too, is you also as a as a when you're speaking for a corporate group or something like that, you are now when you take that job, when you take that check, you are becoming a representative of that brand. You know, it's not as much about you as like a stand-up gig would be, where it's 100% about you. Now I'm doing a corporate speech for ConocoPhillips or whatever, so I am now, by taking this money, a representative of this brand, so I have to fall within what they say is a, a acceptable parameters of what I'm going to say or do. And that's what I'm agreeing to when I sign on for this gig. Absolutely. 100%. Mm -hmm. And and maybe that's why they pay you so much. Exactly. Oh, they yeah. pay you so much because they're going, you know, be exactly who you are only within these certain parameters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Can you mold your message into our the thing that we want you to say, but in the style or with the affectations of how you do it? How you do it up to a certain point. Yeah, up to a point. Oh, my. I mean, I learned this when I first started doing stand-up in corporate events. I was hired by Disney World. Mm -hmm. And I did my show, and they came to me with 30 things I could not say. Okay. one. <laughs> That's now, it? Only 30? <laughs> 30 things I could not say. I couldn't say for my next trick. Mind you, I was doing magic <laughs> tricks. But the word trick had other connotations as mm -hmm. like, you know, turning tricks, so I couldn't say that. Yeah. Yeah, so everybody see this ball? Can't mention the word ball. Mm. 
because mm. men have balls and we don't talk about them at Disney. They don't have balls. So it's almost like a list Disney of... Disney yeah. has no balls. Yeah. Mickey Mouse <laughs> does not have balls. So I couldn't even say, but I'm doing a ball trick. Yeah. No, can't say that. So, so that's when I learned how crazy, mm-hmm. and especially now, the corporate speaking, the corporate comedy environment is on care for what you say. So what do we do? So... Here I am, I'm at a point where I'm going like, I am not here forever. Mm-hmm. I've made a lot of money from the corporate market. Mm-hmm. I have molded myself. I have you know, gotten my message out. And, but there's something in me, and, and I believe this is my purpose calling me, that where I need a place where I can be totally who I am Mm -hmm. now you would never think again a Netflix comedy special is the place that you could give up comedy yeah right Mm -hmm. so that's daring Mm -hmm. and I and I see it in every single comedy career that a comic takes a courageous chance Mm -hmm. by doing something that the audience will turn off to Yep. And reject them, and um, and that launches their career. Like yeah. Uh, Tig, yeah, Tig Notaro, yeah. Tig Notaro gets up, has a horrible week, including finding out she has cancer, mm-hmm. and she just gets up at Cafe Largo in L.A. in front of, you know, it's a hip club, um, and says, "How are you? I have cancer." Yeah. Right, and I think Louis C.K. was there and tweeted out how brave and courageous, and mm-hmm. he saw a comic do something beyond courageous. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, there's a movie about her. Next yeah. thing you know, there's world tours with her. So I'm at a place where I want to have some place, creative space, and I'm not sure where it is. Mm-hmm. Where I can be exactly who I am. Now, it's interesting because, especially when you talk uh, about Tig or, or uh, Hannah Gatsby, what I found with their with those brave moments is that a lot of people are are terrified of filtering their audience down to their true fans because... There were Ooh, a lot of there are a lot of people who don't like Hannah Gatsby anymore because she did that. They're like, "Hey, I came here to laugh. She used to make me laugh, and then now I'm getting this morality lesson." And yes, what she's saying is true and powerful, but that's not what I paid my ticket for. That's not why I follow her. That's why I'm I'm not really that big of a fan of her anymore. You have to be willing to say, "Okay, that's fine." You know, adios, because this is who I really am. But when you do that, you also find the true fans, the true people, the people who are actually into you as the performer and are following and they want that authenticity. And they're generally in a minority to start, but they're also the people who are going to be your biggest advocates and your biggest, you know, evangelists. You just said, you know, Louis C.K. saw that thing and said, this is so brave. 
you want to talk about you know evangelism that then turns around and benefits your career because you did something brave you were not afraid to get rid of your you know fly by night fans or the people or your surface level fans or or any even if it's people you don't know you you weren't afraid to do that you took that step and now that little minority of people who already loved you and now truly love you they're going to they're also going to step up and do something and say hey i know like like you just said about hannah i know she did 40 minutes of funny stuff but it was the other stuff that really affected me and that's why i you should listen to her that's why you should follow her that's why you should go to her shows and do that kind of stuff and it's the people who are willing to to who are willing to lose the fair weather people that are are going to succeed. And it's not going to happen all, you know, immediately, but it will happen because right. you're 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 filtering out the people who were just kind of there cuz you were popular and you're reinforcing those who were there from the beginning. It's funny cuz um you mentioned Hannah Gatsby uh Gabriel Iglesias, uh, Fluffy, as I go, he just has a new special on Netflix, and he did something I have never seen before at any show ever. He had flown in his first two fans, the first two people who had ever watched him 20 years ago perform comedy in a garage, who then came back and said, oh, we're going to bring friends. You know, those pe- those two people, it's a couple, have been with him following his career for 20 years. And now, I mean, he's one of the biggest, you know, comics ever right now. I mean, everything yeah, he huge. does, he's filling stadiums. But he went back and said, hey, these two people were here from the beginning. And he points them out. He says their name, has them stand up. There's got to be 15,000 people in that crowd. And he yeah. points right to them and they stand up. And what? And he says, I flew them out here brother, because they were there from the beginning. You know, and that's how you're going to find those people is when you do your most authentic stuff. So perhaps the lie that we tell ourselves Mm -hmm. is that if I'm truly on purpose, if I'm truly who I'm going to, who I am, Mm -hmm. if I'm stop hiding and I come out um, for of whatever I am, that I will be rejected. That's yes. the lie, that I will lie. be rejected. Yes, you will be. Mm-hmm. You'll be rejected by some people, but the people who love you will love you even more. And I'm... You'll be rejected by the people who don't matter. I'm I'm learning this. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I was hired to do a comedy gig, um, and the fourth day it was like four days and I just decided to tell a poignant heartful story mm-hmm. that made everybody cry and I left people crying mm-hmm. and maybe I did a little laugh at the end but afterwards that's when the CEO came up to me and hugged me and said that was your best yes. I went, but it wasn't funny mm-hmm. but it was so real mm-hmm. and what you shared was so deep and I was crying on stage mm-hmm. I don't think it's great for speakers to cry but I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it was authentic. It was real. It was what it was. Now, now, I let myself yeah. be real. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, you, I mean, you took the risk. And luckily on that point, the CEO, the person who brought you in, they hired you, they respected that authenticity. But you also have to be willing to do it when that CEO comes up and says, hey, we paid you to be funny. What the hell? You know, you have, you know, if you're going to be living on purpose, you got to be willing to take that risk. Yes, but you have to be willing to 
start speaking stop hiding who you are and it's not just to you know I don't believe it's just to like uh, I can't stand these comics who think I'm being real and authentic and I'm really, you know, talking about cunnilingus yeah. in great detail. And yeah. I want to talk about that last yeast infection I had. Well, in yeah, they, in, in that case, let me show you the slides. They're, they're you know? using the being real and authentic for just an excuse to be vulgar. And then so that no one can say, hey, and that's the thing, if you're going to be that comic, your stuff better be hysterically funny. It better be so dialed in and great that, okay, all right, then it is, you know, it is authentic, I guess. But what a lot of people do is they say, well, I've got all this kind of shallow, crappy material, which people are going to call me out on, so I'm going to preface it with this, hey, I say what I mean, and I do what I do. And then they come out and they do this shallow, vapid crap that isn't funny or isn't any good. And it doesn't even have to be comics. It can be all sorts of things. We see politicians doing this sometimes um, where they come out and they say, well, I'm just real and blah, blah, blah. And no, that's they're using that as like, oh, here's my little escape route to say a bunch of crap that doesn't matter. And I'm going to say it's authentic so that no one can argue with me. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think a lot more people are being real and finding their following and, you know, yeah. like the KKK is following. Yeah. Them, well, right? that's hey, you know what? But that that's <laughs> that's how they get, you know, uh, what is that? There's a great marketing blog that a lot of coaches refer to called the 1000 True Fans. And it talks about uh, you can look it up if you Google it. And it's this write up about how for any level of success whether it's business, entrepreneur, a new product, a new service, you as a personal brand, all you need is 1,000 true fans. You don't need a billion fans. You don't need 6 million. You don't need 100,000 followers. You need 1,000 people total who will look at everything you do, read every article you write, listen to every song you sing, you know, watch every movie you're in. You only need 1,000. And when you think about the scale of of followers or fans a thousand is actually a very small number it is but 1000 true fans is the pretty much the dividing line for the people who've been around forever and who have always you know who are doing things that actually matter who are living on purpose versus those fly by night people who came out one year and are gone the yeah. next so yeah, so if someone rejects you because, you know, if I come out and go, okay, let me tell you about my life. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm gay, right? Mm -hmm. Which I don't talk about at the corporate yeah. event, right? I don't mm -hmm. mention it because I'm scared to death yep. of, like, of. I guess what I'm scared to death of is burning the bridge between me and the audience. Exactly. Like, oh, now, now I won't be able to... You know, they'll think I'm some I'm so different from them that they can't relate to me, mm. you know, or I'm, you know, my partner is much, much younger than I am. And people judge me mm. as, you know, whatever their judgments about about that. And I'm, you know, and I'm getting to the point where I realize back to the beginning of this, I'm going to die. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm not going to only lose everybody I know. I'm going to lose my body. I'm going to lose my life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose everything. Yeah. I'm going to lose all my money. I'm going to go without any of that. So why am I still trying to please people? Mm -hmm. I don't even know. 
people I don't care about. And if somebody judges me for who I am, do I even want, I mean, who mm. am I changing my whole life for? Oh, yeah. Who are these people? If someone's going to judge me for being gay and go, well, you know, we don't want, you know, you here. Well, then I don't want to exactly. go you there. Don't want, well, it's the thing about not hiding, about being your, is you're eliminating the people who should not be in your life. And like in business, they have this uh, phrase called or they have the, the, the term deportment. Deportment means how you the perception you're giving off, you know, uh, like, for example, if I walk into an office and I see uh, five desks in that office and they're all covered with garbage like there's papers everywhere and things and you know the computer screen there's all sorts of sticky notes on the computer it just seems like you know chaos there are some people who will walk in and say this office is out of control how is this you know how do you keep you know how do you keep the business going if there's stuff everywhere there's other people who will walk in and say look at all the hard work that's happening here they don't even have time to clean this place up they're just constantly doing and making stuff happen or someone's going to say well, they might be working, but this is this train's about to, you know, smash into a wall because nothing's being organized. Deportment is when you say, "Okay, what perception do I want to put forward?" This is why people buy fancy cars when they can't afford them so that when they go and see a client, they go, "Oh, he's driving a Mercedes. He must be successful." "Oh, he's wearing a suit all the time. He must be successful." You create these levels of deportment in order to create these perceptions. The problem is is that when you are living in that weird deportment lifestyle, you are now working on your perception and not your purpose. And so the product. Oh, I love that. Working on your perception and not your purpose. Mm -hmm. And and I see this all the time. With so, like, I remember one time I was working with a client and uh, he had set up a little office for me. Uh, in one of like just one of the side rooms of his of his building and th this this was a makeshift office he had like rented a warehouse space and then put up walls and things and whatever and uh, he had this big um, belief that all the desks everything all the anything that was a flat surface should be cleared of anything because, you know, what if I invite a client over and I take them on a tour of the office? If they see a bunch of, you know, papers laying out, if they see other things, they're going to think we don't know what we're doing. Truth was, the, the company was suffering. It was, it was failing. And, and I just remember him, he used to get, just walk around to all of his employees and all the other thing and be like, oh, we got to clean up these papers. And I remember thinking to myself, if you put as much energy into getting your business back on track as you do of walking around and clearing these tables... You wouldn't have to care what a client thinks when they walk into this building. But because you're not concentrating on the stuff that really matters, yeah. you're going to concentrate on this deportment thing instead. And nowadays that company doesn't exist anymore. And it's just, and you see this all the time. It's, you know. So, yeah. you know, just to end it here is mm -hmm. to say what, what my takeaway from what you're saying is that it has to... Whatever you build, whether it's a career, it's a relationship, it has to start with authenticity mm -hmm. and inside of yourself. And 
it's okay for people to not love you. Yes. It's okay. Oh yeah, if you're not making for, anybody angry, you're not tell, you're not yes, saying anything. It's okay to stir the pot. It's okay to, you know, to really piss people off. Mm -hmm. It's okay to make people think. It's okay to come, you know, to I mean, I love you is now kind of like what are you sacrificing mm. in your purpose in life to have people love you? Mm -hmm. Think about it. If you would like to learn more about turning your purpose into a career, go to themessageofyou.com where I'll give you free access to my online course. Click the button in the top banner when you get there. If you'd like to learn more about what I'm doing, then go to judycarter.com. Thanks for listening, and let's find your message and launch your career.